It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. It is the Locked On Bengals podcast with your hosts, Joe Goodberry and Jake Lisko. Find us on Twitter at Joe Goodberry and at Jake underscore NFL. Please like, subscribe, and share as we try to grow this community and pump out daily Bengals content just for you. Welcome on in, Bengals fans, to another week of the Locked On Bengals podcast. It's Mock Monday. But before we get into the fun of projecting and looking at mocks from around the internet, there was some news uh, after we recorded our last podcast last week and a little bit over the weekend. I think Zach Taylor is probably living a pretty stressful life right now between just doing regular head coaching things, evaluating the team, and gearing up for the combine and free agency. We obviously know he can't find a defensive coordinator that he likes and that's also willing to sign with the Bengals. And then between all this, that's making news seemingly every day, Monday to Friday, Mark Walton gets arrested over the weekend. We don't know the details uh, yet, but we know he was arrested for battery, which the definition of battery versus assault means that he caused some physical harm. We think the victim was a woman. Not that it makes a huge difference in terms of you know, the guy's character, you're hitting a civilian, you know, you're, you're getting into a fight. So just starting there, he wasn't great last year in the time we saw him play. So there's a question of if you're Zach Taylor, are we going to create a need at running back three because of the battery arrest? And for me, it's kind of like, well, if, if it's a legit battery arrest and it's a running back three, so yeah, you get him off the team. It's cheap. He should be easy to replace. It hurts a little bit because he was drafted last year. Joe, any thoughts? Yeah, these are your moments if you do want to make a statement or set an example. Uh, it's much easier to do it with a third running back, day three pick, uh, than it is obviously a star player or a player you're going to rely on or or an investment uh, you, you value highly. Um, in this case, you know, uh, I don't know which way they will go here. I, no connection probably for Taylor and, and Walton. So if it's his decision to do so... I think I'd completely understand. Use it as an example. Set the standard early. You could probably use a um, win in that department, I think, over the last couple of weeks. So I don't know that it'll happen. I'm just saying if he did, I would get why. Yeah, it's 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 a bottom of the roster issue. It's not, you know, it's not going to make a huge impact on the football team, most likely, unless Walton goes on and has a breakout somewhere else or if he's about to break out for the Bengals. But we didn't see much last year to indicate that that was coming. Yeah. It's a third running back. It's hard to get too worked up over it. It's not a yeah. good look for the team that's getting bad press anyway right now. And I was going to say 36 carries for 54 yards if you include preseason, which I'm trying to to help his stats look a little bit better too because, as, you know, you're playing against backups there. 
Um, 1.5 yards per carry. I think it's 2.4 in the regular season. He just made no impact at all. You can find anybody. You can The five sixth-round picks are expected to have could replace that, if not more. So um, this is not like you know somebody you're coming off of a good rookie year and you want to keep him and see where he goes. At this point, he is extremely replaceable if he even makes the roster on his own. Yeah, that's probably all there is to say about the Mark Walton stuff. Uh, not much to say about the defensive coordinator stuff either, in my opinion. The Ohio State def- co-defensive coordinator, Jeff Halfley, is going to honor his contract that he signed on January 6th or 7th or something like that to coach at OSU. He was a defensive backs coach under Kyle Shanahan in San Francisco. He was in Cleveland, I think, as a defensive backs coach as well. This is not really news to me. This is a guy who signed in literally January to be a co-defensive coordinator at Ohio State. And he wants to honor that contract. In the same same day, around the same time, we learned that the Saints blocked Aaron Glenn. So none of this feels very good if you're a Bengals fan, but none of this really matters either. These are not huge surprises. The Saints want to make maybe one more run with Drew Brees and keep, keep the coaching staff together. Jeff Halfley is going to honor the contract he signed a month ago. Sure, there's still no movement, and it doesn't look good for Taylor, but in the end, in a month, if they sign a defensive coordinator this week, I'm probably going to forget about this. The only thing here is I think it's interesting he went for Halfley next rather than, you know, the the guy everyone expected. Maybe, I don't know if Aaron Glenn was first and Halfley, or Halfley was. Uh, either way, it, the people... The person I keep seeing people mention is Aubrey Pleasant. Um, you know, I just just go get Aubrey Pleasant. I mean, when we keep coming back to the same point of you would think Zach Taylor would be fully aware of and have correct expectations for Pleasant. And if he's not reaching that point yet, um, I think it says everything we need to know about that name and that we're going to keep searching. Yeah, I, I've got it on the list here as some guys that might still be candidates and Aubrey Pleasant and Marquand Manuel. But it doesn't seem like their first choices, and at this point, it probably means they're not the running. So that's it for defensive coordinator, and that's it for Mark Walton. It is technically news, but it's hard for me to get too worked up over it at this point. They need to assign a defensive coordinator urgently. That hasn't changed. The news that has come out in the last couple of days does not change that either. It's still a priority. Moving on, there was some really interesting... There was a really interesting quote from Kyle Van Noy. I'm pardon my take this last week. He said the Rams didn't try anything unexpected. They didn't throw any wrinkles in against the Patriots in the Super Bowl. He said, maybe we just were playing that well. They didn't know what to do, but he was surprised. He said that they didn't try anything that they weren't expecting, except for maybe one play. He mentioned a wide receiver screen. And that for me, we talked about this a couple times on this podcast Teams that just try to win by doing what they do, they say, this is our identity. We're going to go out there and do this and win because we're the best at it versus adapting. And it seems to me that the NFL demands adapting either with off script plays or at the coaching level. You either have a Bill Belichick or a Patrick Mahomes. And we'll have to see what that means for for Zach Taylor, the head coach. We don't know how much of that was Sean McVay continuing to do his thing, how much of that Zach Taylor could have impacted, but that's something to watch when he comes over to Cincinnati. Yeah, and that's definitely the point we hammered um, when we started the podcast, which was right after the Super Bowl of look how the Patriots 
continue to evolve and and, and change and, and adapt based on who they were playing and their needs and their own personnel. Meanwhile, the Rams um, were went out there and they did what they always do and to little success. But the play calling wise, I, I mean, it was evident there. I didn't need linebacker for the Patriots to tell me Kyle Van Noy, but it helps to, or hurts. <laughs> it's it's interesting that he does say that they didn't pull out any wrinkle that was unexpected for the Patriots. And it, I can see that being worrisome uh, at the same time. Hopefully it's a learning uh, step for Zach Taylor to, to, you know, haunt him for a little bit of, yeah, we should have done, you know, a little bit more. We should have tried this, should have tried that. Anytime you lose a Super Bowl, I imagine that sticks with a player or a coach for a long time. So uh, if you're looking at it from a positive, positive perspective, hopefully he learned from that and, if he did have an impact in that at all, uh, this is to be debated. But, uh, you know, I, I think at the same time, we just something to put into the pile and evaluate later. It'll also be interesting, interesting to see how Sean McVay and the Rams react this year, if they become more adaptable. So that'll be something else we can watch. I mean, yeah. we're obviously going to be more interested in what Zach Taylor does in Cincinnati, but I'm curious. Yeah, because, it, I mean, directly affected them and their staff and their team that to lose the Super Bowl and do it in a way of not really trying anything, you know, and anything crazy is what I mean, anything different than their norm. So, yeah, if they come out this next year and they're like, you know what, we've hit our peak and what we believe our offense is, now it's time to inject some energy, life, and new ideas into it. Uh, I would think I'd completely understand and probably expect that from Sean McVay, someone many uh, revere as an offensive genius, even at a young age. I kind of expect it too. Last thing before we get into the mock draft roundup, which is our next segment, uh, PFF published their free agency fits, and they talk about Landon Collins as a linebacker target for the Bengals and someone that we've talked about as an offensive tackle target in Daryl Williams from Carolina. Landon Collins, of course, started his career as a free safety in New York was moved to strong safety pretty quick, plays most of his time in the box, could certainly be a modern NFL linebacker. That's an interesting name for a linebacker, Joe. Yeah, I think he played over 50% of his snaps last year in the box, and I do remember him having some of those responsibilities and playing um, as a, you know, kind of a hybrid guy. We use Sean Williams, the Bengals use Sean Williams in the box a lot. So I, if you were going to sign a strong safety one of those two guys are going to have to move to linebacker. I don't think that cuts Collins' cost down at all. I think strong safety and linebacker is almost merging in, in terms of value. Uh, so if we're talking $10 million for him, uh, I, that's an interesting move to try and transition a guy to a new position technically. But also I'm a big fan of doing that because I, I've said it before on previous, but the Eagles last year, the Patriots have done it forever, and and the Rams have done it, where they're using safeties at linebacker, and they do it in their base defense consistently. It's just not a nickel thing. They have a safety as a linebacker all the time, and I'm 100% for doing that and following that trend as the, as the best teams in the league have proven it works. But to me, Daryl Williams, the other one you mentioned, offensive tackle from Carolina, he was out of Oklahoma, big, strong right tackle type. He dealt with injuries. If he's healthy, um, he's a target of mine. I mean, I think the Bengals would be wise and maybe even get to save some money if he, uh, based on past injuries with Williams. Uh, but, you know, to go out and sign both guys seems extreme for them to spend that type of money. But both sound like major fits and would really open up the draft, which I think is ideal for 
anyone here sitting here, if you go, if you tell me they sign a starting linebacker and a starting right tackle before we even walk into the draft, man, I feel so much better about the prospect of getting a good player, not only in round one, but in the first few rounds, because you're not targeting needs. You're not targeting players, specific players that fit your team. You allow the board to follow you. And I think that's the best way to draft. There's a little bit of fear there for me with, with Darrell Williams knee. And if he's healthy, like you said, if he's healthy, He's a plug-and-play right tackle. He's probably the most talented free agent right tackle, free agent tackle. He just has the injury question. So if he stays healthy, that's a home run signing, in my opinion. Landon Collins, I'm, I'm with you there, too. If you free up the needs, you, you alleviate the needs a little bit, at least in the draft. It gives you the flexibility. It frees up your mind to approach the draft in, in I think, a healthier way where you're not going to tunnel vision as easily. So... I'm on board with both of those ideas too. Or, you know, some of the linebackers we've talked about, Quan Alexander, uh, Jordan Hicks, those are options too. Landon Collins is just an interesting new name. Yeah, because we haven't talked about it. We have talked about tackles and linebackers, but we have not looked at the safety class and um, the free agent class and decided if one of those guys would make a good transition or if we can move Sean Williams to that spot. So I do like that suggestion and and that topic brought brought up for us to debate a little bit. That being said, we're going to look at the draft next. So we've talked a little bit about free agents in the news. So next up, we're going to look at what the internet pundits, what does the internet say the Bengals should draft? And we're, we're going to talk about specific people. So we'll, we'll take a look at some mocks and the common names and some of the less common names. And then we'll get into our weekly mock Monday where Joe and I will run through a fan speak draft. So stick with us after the break and we'll get into it. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the podcast, Bengals fans. We'd like to remind you that you can listen to the Lockdown Bengals podcast in your car by telling your smart device, play podcast, Lockdown Bengals. And from there, we're going to pick up Mock Draft Monday and go over some of the mocks we find interesting on the internet, some of the picks that have reoccurred or gotten more common i think if we've gone through this i think we were, we have transitioned from heavily leaning on devin white linebacker from lsu to getting more offensive linemen in the picture seeing some defensive linemen some quarterbacks and even tight ends so um the first one we've got listed here is dan kadar from sb nations mocking the draft uh he i think last week we thought we had his two and, and we really liked his draft but this he's the first one now that is really breaking the mold Really this draft season, in my opinion. But he's got TJ Hawkinson, the tight end from Iowa, at number 11 to the Bengals. And this is with Jonah Williams and Ed Oliver off the board. Kyler Murray goes two picks later to the Dolphins. And Devin White doesn't go until pick 18. But to talk about Hawkinson, and we did on on an earlier podcast, I think it was a Friday episode where we were asked about uh, Noah Fan, TJ Hawkinson. But to me, I think... Hawkinson is one of the rare, complete tight ends in a draft in terms of blocking um, and receiving. He's not the athlete that usually goes in the top 15 for tight end, but he's a very good athlete, or at least maybe even an underrated athlete. I think he's going to test well to combine. Um, 
and again, blocking, route running, hands. I could see it. I could see the Bengals, especially we talked in the last segment, if they sign a linebacker or a tackle and they get to the situation where Jonah Williams and Ed Oliver are off the board and they're not interested in taking one of the quarterbacks, Hawkinson makes sense because not only is it a need, but I I would say, and I think we touched on this when we were we went over the long-term rebuild plan podcast where a tight end doesn't give you the immediate production, but you make that pick and it, it's helping you in year two, year three, so 2020, 2021 range, and you have a, a guy that helps replace A.J. Green if you're losing him, um, usher in the, the next era of, of Bengals offense, and I think that makes sense. So for me, I want to be. I want to completely hate that at all. I, it would depend on who else I fall in love with over the next month. Uh, but how do you feel, Jake, about taking a tight end at eleven? I think what would be interesting to me about taking a tight end at eleven, expecting year two production, is if next year, let's say this year is a disaster for for the Zach Taylor Bengals, and next year we're in a position as fans to see the team pick Tua or who's who's the Oregon guy. Herbert, Justin, Herbert, Justin or Herbert. or yeah. the Clemson guy won't be coming out yet, right? He'll no, be a sophomore. No. Lawrence will Correct. be a sophomore. So, if they're in position to pick one of those top quarterbacks, and you have a tight end coming into his second year, where you're expecting him to take a big leap, and this is a guy that I think out of tight end prospects would probably be considered pretty polished, pretty well rounded, in terms of ability to run routes, block, pro style offense at Iowa. Anyway, if you draft this guy this year, and then next year you get your quarterback. That's probably a really nice guy to have for your quarterback to, to learn the NFL with. Also interesting in this draft, I think, is Devin White going all the way down to 18. I think consensus, pretty big gap between Devin White, maybe Devin Bush, and the rest of the linebackers in this class, all the way down to 18. So speaks again to the, to the value of that off-ball linebacker, which... To Bengals fans, you know, we've been watching this and we get killed in the linebacker unit. We think this is pretty expensive, but around the league, the positional value isn't there. And you look at the last year's draft, Tremaine Edmonds, who is a lot of people thought would go top 12 range right next to Roquan Smith, and he did not. Um, he ends up going, I think it was 17, 18 in that range. Leighton Vanderesh went 19. We had a fantastic rookie year. So I guess 18 for Devin White on that surface, because I think he's closer to those guys than Roquan Smith, and I think we're splitting hairs there. Um, but I do think he's on that side of the spectrum, which is a very small spectrum. But that would make sense to me if he fell a little bit more and got to the other side of the of, of the first round. Yeah, I think, I think Hawkinson would be cool. I think it's interesting that Devin White micro 18th and that's something that we should keep in mind so if we don't necessarily freak out if we watch the Bengals not take Devin White and he's on the board there next mock tankathon.com has the Bengals going Ed Oliver defensive tackle out of Houston round one we did that last week in our in our fan speak mock we went with Ed Oliver also uh this has a a two-round mock though and they have Yadni Kajust who is a tackle from West Virginia going in round two. So the Bengals go defensive tackle and then offensive tackle. And for us, I, uh, we did the same exact thing. We ended up getting Jawan Taylor in the second round last week. But So that makes sense on from that standpoint. I'm not a huge fan of Kajust. Uh, I don't even think I have to make the case. I thought Paul Alexander, former Bengals offensive line coach, obviously, uh, has been doing a fantastic job on Twitter. Honestly, he's really, really good at it. And it makes me think, maybe he is a good coach. Maybe he's a really good scout. But at the same time, he's producing these uh, reports right now 
and, and posting him on Twitter, he's not a fan of Kajust. And I completely agree with what he saw. Uh, basically, he sees a guy that, with a good old line coach at, at West Virginia, doesn't have the technique up to par that you would expect from a, a player coach from from that from what's the name Joe Wickline. And also, I think the mentioning of his toughness, physical toughness, strength, um, is very accurate to what I saw also. So for me, I would definitely, some people got him in the first round. I don't, I don't think he's that. I think Kajust is a third round or later guy. I think he's a developmental prospect with a low chance of actually hitting that mark or, or the, the upside that, that many view him as. Uh, so I'm with Paul Alexander on this. And I think if, if I were to grade this, I love Ed Oliver and I would really not like that second round pick. Yeah, I'm with you there too. I, and I think the positions are, are fine. I think we've talked about the need long-term at defensive tackle. And we've talked about Ed Oliver being potentially a rare prospect at that point, And it matches the value of a number 11 pick where you're getting a potential blue chipper. Offensive tackle in round two means that we haven't addressed it anywhere else or we haven't addressed it adequately, adequately enough and we want to bring in a young guy with a, maybe a high ceiling or maybe a guy that's going to step in and start right away because they are picking near the top of the second round. And I would, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to agree with Joe again here. Hopefully this doesn't get too boring for our listeners, but <laughs> uh, Kajust is not, is not it for me in round two either. The next yeah, one we'll oh- talk about, sorry, did you have something to add there? No, I was going to pick up the next one. You do it. I'll do it. The next one we're going to talk about is a guy that we got in the second round in our fan speak mock last week, and that is Jawan Taylor, who is the pick for Chris, Chris Trapasso at CBS Sports. He has Jawan Taylor going to the Bengals, one pick after Jonah Williams and two picks after Ed Oliver. Devin White, of course, would be the first question for me as a Bengals fan. Where's Devin White in this scenario? And he went number four to Oakland. So quite a range there. For yeah, Devin Chris White. Loves, Chris loves Devin White. And there's an explanation for it. Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray go 7-8. So that means for the Bengals, quarterbacks are gone. Top tackle, probably, and Jonah Williams is gone. Top defensive tackle is gone. Or maybe not top defensive tackle. Top second second defensive tackle probably is gone. Devin White's gone. This, to me, Jawan Taylor, I think, is probably going to be a good NFL right tackle. He's got that mauler type. He's a big, strong guy in the mold that the Bengals have liked. And I think traditionally NFL teams have liked. So it's not a pick I'd be necessarily upset about, but this is a scenario for me where I'm looking at, is there anybody in the next five picks, next six picks that wants to move up for some reason? Maybe it's a corner maybe it's it's something else. Maybe it's a maybe it's an edge player that they really like. And I'm looking to move back. Yeah, maybe it's Drew Locke, another quarterback. I'm looking to get back, you know, five picks or so, maybe six, seven. And one of my next couple offensive tackles or linebackers or whatever, my guy's going to be there, I think. And I'm going to pick up another pick somewhere. Yeah, I think it's interesting you say that because I, I could see three tackles. If it, it say it plays out like this, Jonah Williams goes top 10. Um, from Bengals at 11 to pick 20, I could see three more tackles going in that range, being Jawan Taylor. Uh, Cody Ford and Greg Little out of Ole Miss, Cody Ford out of Oklahoma, John Taylor out of Florida. I think all are good prospects. Some are considered guards. Cody Ford is in that mold. A lot of people think he might be better off at guard. Uh, same thing they're saying with Jonah Williams. Uh, at the same time, I I think the, the guy we don't talk about enough and doesn't get mocked to the Bengals is Greg Little out of Ole Miss. And for me, 
I think if he tests well at the combine, which is the case for all of these guys and saying anything pre-combine, it's dependent on that. He's going to be the one fans look at and say, well, all of a sudden he's getting mocked to the Bengals. And I think he's always in this range and with this group of players. And it just seems that he doesn't fall for us at that spot or he's a little, we're a little too early to pick him and he's never there in round two. So he's kind of getting lost in the mix. But if in a trade back scenario, like you say, yeah, I think that puts you squarely in position to say, you know, there's three tackles here we'd probably like, or at least three offensive linemen that we'd probably like. Let's see if we can go back five spots, four spots, pick up a third round pick, maybe even a late second if you can, uh, and use that to draft your tackle. And then maybe you're you're ready to pounce or move up from round two in order to get a linebacker because you've now added picks later that can be used to move up. Yeah, it's an interesting possibility. And it's something that I think of in that case is something that they'll entertain. Of course, it takes two. And that's always a thing with fans. Yes, it might look obvious like, oh, they should definitely trade back. And then they'll still make a pick at that spot. And fans would be like, why didn't they trade back? They could have gotten that guy. Well, maybe they didn't get the offer they wanted maybe they didn't maybe they weren't sure that that guy would still be there and so this is a trade back scenario for me but in any trade back scenario there's there's a lot of factors that go into it uh last one we're going to talk about is luke easterling at draft wire he's got three rounds and he's got devin white in the first round so this is something that we've talked about a lot already and he's saying this with a caveat of if the bengals aren't going to address their quarterback position don't overthink it. Take the blue chip guy at the position of need in Devin White. Second round, finding a tight end in Irv Smith. Third round, seeing if Will Greer can be a guy and, and taking a quarterback then. And you'll notice in this one, there's no offensive line in the first three rounds. So this means that hypothetically, maybe they've signed Darrell Williams or Trent Brown. They've, tr- they've signed a tackle in free agency probably at this point. You would have to. If we're relying on Bobby Hart again, I think then you're really in trouble. But uh, I don't mind this. I think getting a star middle linebacker in Devin White, I believe Irv Smith, is a lot of upside and potential at tight end coming out of Alabama. And for me, I'm not high on taking a quarterback once you get outside of round one. The track record is not great. Um, You're throwing away picks usually in the mid-rounds if you're going to do that. But if I were, and we've had some success recently with guys like Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, uh, Will Greer's the guy I would consider in the third round. I think a few times that I've done mocks myself, I, he's gone just a little bit earlier than that, and I've been interested each time. He's someone that, during evaluation, I liked a lot of the pieces. I didn't like a lot of the other pieces. So uh, I come away not knowing for sure what he'll be, and you never do, but you know, especially with Will Greer. But I'm still intrigued every time I see him, every time I watch him. And I'd like the opportunity to roll the dice at a good value, which would be in the third round here. So if this started it off and they go Devin White, Irv Smith, Will Greer, and this with the caveat of they had to have done something at right tackle and free agency, I would say that's a very, very good start to not only the offseason but the draft. I'm with you again. I, I don't know about a quarterback in the third round. But again, like you say, if it's Will Greer, this is a guy that people were talking about as a top five pick going into the season, and he didn't quite take the step that people were looking for, but there's a lot of potential there, and and so if you're going to roll the dice, sure. I don't feel very settled about going through three rounds without getting an offensive lineman given the current construction of the team, but you know, if, if they adequately address it in free agency, maybe that opinion will change. One more thing on Greer. Um, 
friend of the show, really friend of Twitter, draft Twitter, Jim Coburn, Jim, Met- Jim metrics on Twitter, very heavy in analytics and production. Uh, he will Greer grades extremely high for him in, in terms of like all pro pro bowl type quarterback. So, uh, I'd like to take a chance on betting on the numbers also. So that would also help strengthen my roll of the dice on Will Greer. Yeah, and we'll get into that in some more depth uh, when we talk about the quarterbacks. I think maybe later this week, maybe next week. A couple things to mention out of the trends we've seen so far is we have seen a trend emerge of common targets for the first round. Jonah Williams at tackle. Ed Oliver is there uh, on a few people's mocks at defensive tackle is just kind of a best player available. And Devin White is that marriage of need and blue chip player. Some less common names are the other offensive linemen, Cody Ford, Jawan Taylor, and even less common than that. Some guys have QBs being mocked. Notably, I think I've only seen Kyler Murray mocked to the Bengals. I haven't seen Dwayne Haskins or Drew Locke. And the least common, but one of the more interesting ones that we talked about earlier, is TJ Hawkinson. And I would say his teammate Noah Fant, after the combine, he's expected to blow it up. And if that's the case, we're going to talk about him. He's going to be mocked to the Bengals at some point. And I would say it's going to be directly after the combine where people say, yeah, he's going top 15, 16, or whatever. And uh, we'll have to debate it at that point. It's going to be it's a similar situation. And I know John Ross didn't work out to this point Uh, especially considering the next three picks after him. But when you cannot get a guy in round two that you maybe like, say you go through the draft process to this point and we still have a big chunk of the evaluation portion being the combine and the testing. But say you like, man, I really like this Noah Fant. Maybe we can trade up to like 25. Maybe he's a target in the second round. Doesn't have to be Fant. Could be anyone you're looking at right now. And then they blow up the combine. So now you're saying, well, we can't get that guy in in round two now. He's going to go higher. How confident are we in him because sometimes you're really confident in second third fourth round guys based on based on value that's where they're going to go but you sometimes you're like man i really like this guy in the third round i hope we can get him and instead he gets pushed up boards and you have to debate with yourself of okay now am i that comfortable with him or that excited by this prospect that now i consider him at number 11 and i think no offense one of those guys that we're going to debate after the combine and have, have any bengals picks been one of those guys for you i mean what, there have been. I can't think of the names right now. Maybe you can. I mean, John Ross is the one. That's why. Because he was a second-round guy that I was like, man, you know what? They need a speed receiver really bad. I'd really love it if he was there. But the injury history, he should be there in round two. And then he runs a 4-2-2, and I said, he's not going to be there. If they really want the fastest receiver in this draft and need and want, and it was apparent they did, um, and want to add a talent like that, they're going to have to take him at number nine. And I remember at the time I said, I don't care. That's fine. Let's do it. Uh, but, yeah, that – that's what I mean. It, those things happen where you end up taking a guy a full round earlier because you like him because you don't expect him to be there next round. I, it's not a good practice in the first round. It's probably not even a good practice in the second and third round. Take the value when it's there. But you do see teams do this. And and part of that is also just that every team's board is a little bit different. So they become a first round player for you and for somebody else, they're a third round player. And that's the beauty and maybe the horror also, the circus of the NFL draft. Speaking of... We're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get into another Fanspeak mock. This time we have premium, which means we can make trades. We'll see you after the break. 
Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Bengals Podcast. It is Mock Draft Monday, and we are on fanspeak.com. We've got the premium access, which allows us to make trades, and it gives you a little bit better options in terms of draft boards and, and giving the other teams, uh, different boards to really mix up your draft outcome. So we're hitting the start button here. And before we even do, we get offered trades and, uh, and proposals from other teams. The two teams that popped up first for a trade proposal, number one is the Steelers. And I think Jake and I, without even considering what they're offering, are hanging up the phone instantly because fuck the Steelers. We have no interest in trading with them. Um, and the next team is the Minnesota Vikings, who pick 18th. And they're offering us an opportunity to move back to 18. And they will give a second-round pick, also pick 18, and a fourth-round pick, also pick 18. So to move back seven spots, they're giving their second-round pick plus a fourth. I think, Jake, I don't know about you, but that's extremely tempting. And we don't even know who's on the board yet. So for me, I would table this to see who's there at 11, but I'm very interested. Yeah, I, I really want to click accept, but I'm also kind of in the spot where I want to see how it plays out. I don't think it, it seems unwise to wait or to pick, to take the pick, to take the trade before we've seen anything happen in the draft. Real quick, we're never going to trade with the Steelers. And if this is another team, no. maybe we consider it. But this is moving back nine spots and they're giving us a second and a third. So we are getting a third instead of a fourth, moving back nine spots instead of seven. We're going to decline both offers for now and get started. Yeah, because I think even when we get on the clock, we can uh, we can still offer that same deal to the Vikings to see uh, if they're interested, if their guy's still there. So the first four picks off the board, um, number one pick, Josh Allen. You guys may know him. Uh, he goes to the Cardinals, defensive end, pass rusher, edge player, followed by Quinnen Williams, Jonah Williams, and then Nick Bosa, top four picks, defensive line heavy, and it stays that way. With Joe, Joe Kai Polite, Rashawn Gary, First quarterback off the board, Drew Locke. Number eight pick, the Lions love receivers. Take DK Metcalf. He must have blown up the combine to go number eight. And he so we'll might. keep going here. Yeah, and he might. He looks like a freak. Um, okay, so the next couple players are, are Cleveland Farrell and Greedy Williams. We are on the clock. The Bengals are on the clock, and quarterbacks are still there. We're starting to get offers to trade up. Um, Devin White's still there. Ed Oliver's still there. Monta Sweat's still there. I mean, this is a this is a dream scenario in terms of do you want Dwayne Haskins? I think again, Jake, we have to debate it. We have to think about it. We have to consider it. I would be for Dwayne Haskins. Um, I think in this scenario, we're getting offers instantly because teams probably want to go up and get one of these quarterbacks. Them being the LA Chargers gave us an offer here, which they picked twenty eighth. That would give their first, their second, their third and fourth round pick for the opportunity to move up. This would be a huge trade back. This reminds me of exactly what the Bills traded back the year um, the Bengals picked John Ross. The next pick was Patrick Mahomes. The Bills traded back, took Tredavious White at 27, allowed the Chiefs to move all the way up, 
and select Patrick Mahomes at number 10. That's where it seems like the Chargers are, are heading right there. What do you think about any of these offers and who's on the board? Well, you get, looking at our board, we have Jawan Taylor at 29th, and that is a tackle we could target late in the first round. So there are Dalton Reisner late first round is another one that we could look at if we're looking at a tackle. We pick up a second, third, and fourth. That's a lot of draft capital. The other offer we have that I'm not really considering because we're talking right now in fan speak, but the Oakland Raiders offer their first round or a first round pick that they own, which is pick 27. So we're moving back 16 spots and they're also offering a future first round pick, which could be a pretty high selection when it's the Oakland Raiders. So that's something that in real world, I'm considering a lot more. Yeah, that's tempting because I've said before, give me all of next year's picks or 2020 picks. And, um, you know, let me, even 2021, right? Because I want to be able to chance to get Lawrence. But I want capital to get a quarterback next year if we don't feel Dwayne Haskins is the guy. And obviously, since we're debating it, we don't feel he is, or at least not right now. Um, yeah, I would debate both of these, honestly. I think the board is too good to trade back because I think, man, give me, you know, Ed Oliver and I'm happy again. But for the sake of mixing it up, because we took Ed Oliver last week, I say we take one of these trade backs and, and have some fun. Let's let's take the Chargers offer and pile up a bunch of picks and extend the length of the podcast a whole bunch. We're going to have two more picks in each round here, and, and we'll have some fun. And I guess, did, did I miss Jonah Williams? Did he get picked? Uh, I did not see him either. Maybe he was, was he listed at guard when you were looking at the players? I, I was looking, and I, I don't see him in my in my list anywhere, which is okay. strange. So he must have been picked. We must not have seen it. Must have been picked. So we're going to take the Chargers offer. Right. Let's do it. All right. Except we traded back to number 28 now. Jonah Williams did go third overall. And the Chargers traded up for Devin White, so they are really weird. (laughs) Yeah, that's an interesting. Yeah. Dwayne Haskins goes to the Dolphins at 13. TJ Hawkinson goes to the Packers at 12. Which I think is something that I've seen in quite a few mocks. Greg Little, the tackle that we started to talk about a little bit earlier, goes 16. So let's let it roll a little bit further. Cody Ford is gone. So Ed Oliver goes all the way down at 20 to the Steelers, which is a little bit heartbreaking. Christian Wilkins goes next at 21. (laughs) Reisner's off the board too. So now we're looking pretty squarely at Jawan Taylor as a name that stands out to me. Noah Fant is a name we talked about earlier that's there. I don't know. Let me go to Tyler Murray. Right. See, in this scenario, we've traded back. We're at 28 now, and Kyler Murray is still on the board, as te- some teams are obviously nervous about whether it's size, and because at this point he has said he's playing football. Um, look, with two picks in the next three rounds, I say we go quarterback, and I think we can fill every other position with those with with those capital with those picks. This is basically this is the Ravens trading back or getting. Uh, Lamar Jackson at 32 last year. Teddy Bridgewater, similar situation for the Vikings. I like the idea of taking Murray this late with this many picks also. I I think even people that are against Kyler Murray, we've added three other premium picks here, could could get behind this. If not, I, I say we go Noah Fant and get a weapon on offense. And he might might still be there. We might be able to find a different tight end. Irv Smith is still on the board as well. Jay Sternberger. Sternberger, who we talked about last week. So I'm with you. Let's let's take Murray. We'll see what we got. We pick again in just 14 picks. We're picking 210. So let's see where we go. Click it. 
With the 28th pick in the 2019 NFL Draft, the Cincinnati Bengals select Kyler Murray, quarterback, Oklahoma. Man, that'd be fun. Just saying that's fun. I can't even imagine. Like that, that, no. that sounds so far from a thing that could be a reality. Because of the excitement, the injection of excitement, I think would be probable for, for the fan base. So one notable pick there at the end of the first round before we go to the second round is Jawan Taylor goes to the LA Rams. Mm. Maybe an heir to Andrew Whitworth. Maybe they moved Havestein. Anyway, second round. Maybe they play on my guard. Who knows? So we immediately get some offers. I don't think we need to trade back. If anything, we need to look to trade up before we, um, with all these premium picks, if there's someone there. Yeah, do we target Noah Fant right away? What do the linebackers look like? Is Devin Bush still there? Because I would love to add a Devin Bush. Does he's gone? To be. No, he's no, just he's there. Very, very he's way low, low on, this on their board, but we need to. One of the, the the other teams are not using their board, so I'd be I'd consider taking Devin Bush. I would consider um, obviously going up and getting if there's any of the tackles left that we like in round two moving up then but at the same time i think we acquired these premium picks to try and rebuild this thing and and hang out where we are and and make our selections yeah i'm kind of thinking let's see at least a few pittsburgh Steelers trying to trade with us again i'm still not into it decline trades phone rings hello yes this is the pittsburgh steelers click goodbye goodbye debo samuel Little run at receiver. Irv Smith off the board here. I Oh, and I paused too Ooh. late because that's where I want to trade up and get yeah. Noah Fant. As soon as Irv Smith went, I was on the same page as you to um, hit the pause button and try and get Noah Fant, and it went too quick. Noah Fant went number eight in the second round to the Denver Broncos. And you're not giving very Might much. Well resume it now. Yeah, you're not giving up very much to move up two picks there. So you have some more offers. I'm not interested in moving back at not this point. Not interested in either. Me either. Let's look at the offensive line. Let's look at linebacker. Obviously, Devin Bush should still be there. Um, I love the idea of Devin Bush. I think Garrett Bradbury, the center out of NC State, if you want to go to a zone-blocking scheme, he's the center you want in this draft, hands down. I think he's a first-round player. I think Chris Lindstrom, same thing, at guard, is that type of guy you want. Uh, But having drafted Billy Price, I think the the more of the impact will be getting a – uh, Bradbury and putting him at center and moving Billy Price to right guard, and I think you've got a good interior offensive line. On the other hand, I say you go get Devin Bush. I say you get the face of your defense at linebacker, and he's still there. I, I compare him to um, uh, Kendricks and with the Vikings. I think he's a very similar player who also went in the second round. Same range. I'm all for Devin Bush. I'm also on Devin Bush here just because of the depth at the respective positions, and Devin Bush is... He he's uh, he's in that first tier for me. He's he's bef- maybe maybe one point five, right? He's before there's a major drop off, and so I'm on Devin Bush here. Yeah, let's do it. So we've got Devin Bush and Kyler Murray in the bag. So Kyler Murray's gonna come in. He's gonna have some toys. We still got AJ Green. Maybe we've re-signed Tyler Eifert. Yeah, and we got another pick coming up in the second round, uh, which is. Nice, because I, I I still want to get a guard or tackle. I would like to help out the offensive line a little bit more than we have at to this point. Are we on the clock now? No, we're seven picks away. I just paused because I'm asking maybe do we want to trade up for a Garrett Bradbury at this point, or do we just want to let it roll? What do the other linemen look like on the board? 
is there we we've already lost out on Lindstrom, right? He's gone. Mm-hmm. Yes, but what, can you go to tackles for me? I like uh, I'm interested in Adoga Howard, um, Sharping, but I feel like we're around early. So if we don't get Bradbury, I think Bradbury is clearly the better lineman on the board right now. Honestly, I take him in the first round, but I like Elton Jenkins also at center. And we're probably, you know, if you did want to go center, and I think he could probably be a great guard also. Um, so, let I don't know. Roll. Do you think it's worth the bet? Yeah, let, let's let it roll. We'll make a decision if he's not there. There goes Zadoga. Yeah, interesting. Okay. Jay so Sternberger we, also. But we did make it to our pick, and we still have a target we're happy with. We have more offers to trade back. One of them includes a future second-round pick from the Jets, which, again, in real life, I consider a lot more than I do. Yep. Then on fan speak. So I'm going to decline these trades. I mean, I'm so happy to see uh, if Garrett Bradbury is still there, man. Yes, he is. I, I'm, I think we take Bradbury. He's your zone blocking center. That's what they want to run. You move Billy Price to right guard, where I think he could be potentially a Pro Bowl right guard, and you've severely upgraded your left tackle to right guard on this offensive line. Yes, right tackle is still an issue, but at this point, um, maybe they've maybe they've signed someone in free agency. If not, there's a couple targets left for, for the next uh, round, round three. Is there anybody else you're considering here, just looking at some of these names? Honestly, I have Bradbury. I think he, I think teams in the first round are going to consider him at, in late first. So just seeing him there uh, really is high on my board. He's number three on, the, on this board we're using, only behind running backs. I think he's best player available at a need position. All right, we'll take Garrett Bradbury, and on we go. I'm really happy with the way the first three rounds have played out. Trading back, obviously, to acquire a bunch more uh, premium picks, but getting Kyler Murray, Devin Bush, and Garrett Bradbury is extreme value for all three. Yeah, for you, that's got to be three first-round guys, right? Yes, I think so. And if not, Bradbury and Bush are fringe first-round guys, but yeah, I'm 100% on that. With uh, I'd, I'd feel like the Bengals are walking away with an A-plus draft. I'd, they'd get praised for this one. So here we have an interesting offer to move up five picks in the third round without really knowing anything that's going on at that point. I'm not going to really take that trade, but maybe in real life I do. I'm still interested in having two third round picks right now. I am too. So two thirds, what, two fourths. Yeah, let's see what we can get in these last couple of picks to sure up the team. So on we go into round three. I think we need to look at tight end. I think we need to look at offensive tackle. I think we need to be aware of corner because... Uh, Dark Wesdenard may not be on the team at this point. Uh, and, you know, that for us, that means you may need a starting nickel corner to, to jump right in. Uh, tight end position, Isaac Nauda is someone from Georgia. It's probably going to be mocked to them a lot in the mid rounds. I've got no problem with him. I think he's a, a good receiving tight end that has also done some blocking there. Um, but you have anyone of preference here? Can you go to tackle? I want to see if Titus Howard is still there. He is. Alabama State, so you're getting a small school guy. I thought he had a lot of good upside blocks at the Senior Bowl. Montez Sweat got him one time with a really nice nice length play, but the following play, Titus Howard just plants him and lands him to the ground. Um, I think this is a, a good position to be in. I, I'm, I don't love anyone that's still there on the board. I think I'd, I'd lean towards tight end, but I also think this is an opportunity for, if you look at the top of the board, there's a lot of offensive weapons again with receivers, running backs, tight ends. What do you think? I'm looking at wide receiver a little bit here, and this is because I like skill players, but also Josh Jacobs 
at the top that's kind of screaming at me in the third round, the way people are talking about Josh Jacobs' skill set. I'm surprised he's still there. Is that pulling you at all, or are you still on the tight end? No, I, you know, at the core of me, I want to um, go with the best player available, and looking at it, it's running back, running back, running back, wide receiver, and then tight end, Isaac, Isaac Nauda. And I think that's close enough to the top of the board for me to feel comfortable taking a tight end. What do you feel? Yeah, I think you've made a compelling argument to me in the last few seconds, which is there's a drop-off after Nauda. There's more depth at this part of the draft at receiver and running back, so I'm on Nauda with you. Okay. So we've taken Isaac Nauda in the fourth round. Maybe we've only re-signed CJ Uzama. Sorry, third round. Fourth pick. Third round. That's right. We've got four picks already. We've got one more pick coming up in the third round in the trade that we acquired from the L. San Diego Chargers, the L.A. Chargers. I don't know where they even play anymore. California Chargers. One of those Chargers. One of those. We're on the clock again now. We are. Juan Thornhill has been a popular name for the Bengals in the third round. Just goes off the off the board. Titus Howard, I feel like, yeah. is the name you mentioned. Yep. A few picks before us here. And uh, I just saw the running backs also got picked. So now let's see who's available. Daryl Hanks has been a hot name today. Yeah. I There's think... Uh, here. Yeah, a double-dipping quarterback? No, I do not. Um I, although I, I, I like the idea of that. Um, I do like Elton Jenkins. He's a center, can play guard also, even though we don't need that now because we got Bradbury. But I think it's interesting to make a mental note that he was still there in the third round, late third round. Uh, do we want to go with a safety? Do we want to go back to linebacker? Can, can you go back to tackle? I just want to keep an eye on that position just to have an idea of where we're at. The only guy that really stands out to me at this point is Max Sharping. I think uh, he's got some developmental upside, uh, but gives you a, a baseline. I wouldn't throw him out there to start, but I think in a year maybe he's your starting uh, right tackle or left tackle. Uh, so I'd be interested in Sharping. I think the value here, what about corner? Where are we at? Just because we need to keep an eye on corner also. And a lot of guys, Jimmy Moreland's the the guy that 19 interceptions at James Madison as a nickel guy too. Uh, he he, I'd love to target him in the fourth round. You got anyone here you're looking at? I'm looking at Chauncey Gardner Johnson, the safety. You briefly mentioned safety; it's not a position of need, but I've seen some names that I like on draft Twitter talking about this guy glowingly yeah. as a first think- round guy. And then you can move Sean Williams to play more linebacker, cover linebacker. And I think if you do that, um, you're you're getting younger and faster and more athletic at, at need positions. Also, Joe Jackson, Miami? I'm not aware of Joe Jackson. I have not watched him at all. Uh, you would have to lead me on that one. I might be confusing him with someone else. So I'll refrain from making a fool of myself, and I'll stoop a little bit here for Chauncey. Okay, let's do it. And we'll keep an eye, as you said, we're looking at corner, we're looking at tackle. Only other position I would look at before you make the draft pick is defensive tackle to see if Kalen Saunders was still there because I didn't see if he was drafted yet. I do not see him. So let's go ahead and go with safety then. This is a pick for me that is is the best player available kind of pick. It's not a position that, you know, for the most part, somebody's going to tell you the Bengals need. Although some some Bengals fans do want to replace Sean Williams, I think. 
Also, though, we have acquired these extra premium picks because we've hit the reset button by taking Kyler Murray. Also, you are afforded the luxury of start to start draft uh, drafting for non needs or uh, future needs, and a pick like that fills that that responsibility. Also. One name that's been linked with the Bengals went at the tail end of the third round, and that is Voshan Joseph, the linebacker. I like Lonnie Johnson, too, corner there, I think, Kentucky. And uh, he's a big, tall, lanky corner, only one interception in college, so that's going to knock him down just a bit. And here we are before we start the fourth round. Correct, we've got two picks here to end this this mock draft for today. I'd still like to get a tackle if we can. Max Sharping in the fourth round, I think it would be good value. I think we should be aware of running back, wide receiver, and defensive tackle. It's still a good running back class with with Daryl Henderson, Memphis, Miles Gaskin, Washington, Rodney Anderson, Oklahoma, Bryce Love, Stanford. I mean, and these guys may go another round later. I like Wes Hills as a late guy. Uh really good running back class and i'm i'm considering them now in the fourth round because of mark walton but if i were to kill the pick of mark walton last year i'd be i'd kill myself again for taking another fourth round running back so where are we looking are we looking max sharping i like max sharping here i'd like i'd consider receiver also because of the future need at this point paris campbell is someone a lot of people are high on i really like tyree brady anthony johnson um david sills from west virginia Gary Jennings from West Virginia. I think this is a good. This is I, there's some good meat in this day three now that we're in wide receiver class that I think we could even wait until the end. I will take Max Sharping here and then try and come back and maybe take a receiver then. Yeah, I'm with you. We'll take Sharping and then we'll see what's kind of playing around in some of the other. Can you positions. click on click on guard first? Even though I know we have uh, addressed interior O line, I just want to see Nate Davis is my guy. He played tackle in college, but he definitely looks like a guard. Um, just. Worth mentioning, uh, just in case we're a year or two from losing Clint Bowling anyways. That's a good point. So we'll so go with Max go, Sharping. Yeah, Max Sharping, Northern Illinois. I like Sharping a lot. Some people are, it's a mixed bag, but I think uh, when we're talking fourth round is definite starter upside, which you cannot normally find for a tackle on day three. Kiki Kingsley just went D-line. I would have been interested in him at this spot. Can you go to defensive tackle for us as we're on the board again now with our final pick? Is, nope, I don't see him there. I was looking for Arizona, Rennell Wren. I don't see him. Okay, he must be gone already. I'd look at corner. I'd look at wide receiver. I'd look at running back. Jimmy Moreland is the guy that, man, ball skills for me, huge priority for me when I when I evaluate corners. He's a smaller guy. I want to say 5'10", 180, which the Bengals typically don't like inside because they want him to help run defend. But I think Moreland, man, with, with ball skills, and if he tests well, um, I thought he was the only guy at the senior bowl practices that covered Penny Hart and Danny Isabella inside. And that's why I like him. I think the receiver class is still – really deep at this point to wait another round and take another and take a fifth round receiver uh how do you feel yeah i like ball skills a lot you have me at ball skills ball skills and 18 or 19 interceptions i think that sounds amazing let's take it let's take the small school short guy jimmy moreland 
Yep. And we'll wrap up the draft. We'll give you a quick summary here. As a, Anyone interesting go? Josh Oliver is a tight end out of uh, San Jose State. Goes at end of fourth round to the Patriots, someone I'd really like. I saw him at the Senior Bowl. He's an athletic. He's the best tight end there, in my opinion, in terms of skill set. So to summarize here, we traded out of the 11th overall pick down to 28 in the first round to pick up 228, 327, and 428, which gave us four picks in the top 130. Sorry, that's not right. Five picks in the top 100, seven picks in the top 130. With our first pick, with our first pick, we reset. We're saying Andy Dalton, you're our bridge quarterback, or we're trading you and we're signing Ryan Tannehill, and Kyler Murray is our future. With our second pick, we took Devin Bush, who we think is a fringe first round linebacker, the clear second for us, I think, to Devin White. In our second second round pick, we addressed the offensive line by allowing Billy Price to swing out to right guard, which may be a better position for him. And slide Garrett Bradbury in, who is a good fit for a zone-blocking, zone-run offense. And then the third round with our original pick, eighth overall, we took tight end Isaac Nauta out of Georgia, listed as 6'4", 240, but he's considered a good blocker. Um, good enough receiver last year as a junior. He came out early, had 30 receptions, 430 yards, and three touchdowns. That's a 14-yard-plus average. Uh, so... Tight ends don't normally produce much as rookies. I think at this point, you would hope the Bengals brought back two of their veterans and stash Nauta for the future. Uh, they come back. We come back in the third round, pick 27 that we, we got from the Chargers. And we took best player available and a, and a guy that we thought was good value at this point, a safety out of Florida, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Yeah, this is a guy that I stumped for a little bit there. And... I think he might even be able to play nickel corner. We doubled down there maybe with Jimmy Moreland if if they're trying to find a way to get Chauncey Garner-Johnson onto the field. He has had some consistency issues, but it sounds like he has a lot of athletic promise and he's shown the ability to correct things at Florida and could be the full, could be the full package at safety in a modern NFL, which is why I wanted to go to that value there at the end of the third round. It's a guy that... Um, seeing guys I trust on Twitter talking about as a second, maybe maybe even the best safety in the draft. I, who knows how the NFL feels about him, but I like the value there. We come back in the fourth round with our original pick, eighth overall, took Max Sharping. He's a guy I end up, if I don't draft a lineman in the first two rounds, and in this case we didn't take a tackle in the first three rounds, taking Garrett Bradbury at, at center in, in round two. Uh, Sharping's a guy I've targeted. I saw him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I thought he's very, very sound. Uh, good technique for a guy coming out of Northern Illinois. I think in a year or two, he, he reminds me of a Clint Bowling where he just may need a year of, of getting a little stronger, getting acclimated to the game, and you may have a starting tackle, which not, doesn't often happen in the fourth round. And we come back, we take a corner with the Chargers pick we received in the fourth round, Jimmy Moreland. He's a guy I end up targeting a lot also because I love ball skills. I don't care that he's a little bit smaller. I think if he tests well at the combine, he may get pushed up even further uh, than late fourth round pick. And I think here we not only address needs as a, as a total draft, but got a reset on the on the team. Added a lot of premium talent, not only on, on you know offensive line, linebacker, quarterback, tight end. I would be if they if if we started with this draft that the Bengals could actually pulled this off. What what kind of grade would you give them, Jake? Oh, that's so hard because this is such a projected 
this is like grade me in three years. This this draft screams grade me in three years for me. Yeah. But if I had to start, I really like the value of Devin Bush. I really like the value of Garrett Bradbury, of Chauncey Garner-Johnson, and Kyler Murray late first. Oh, there's going to be some debate there, but I'm giving it a B plus, A minus. Yeah, I think they'd get from pundits would get a lot of praise for those first three picks. Um, but I think I definitely this would be saddled with the last two drafts they've had, 16, 17, and even 18, I guess. Uh, if you put this back with it and this one hits also, this is a complete reset on the talent and youth of the team and opens up the Super Bowl window again for them. That was slam shut, it felt, the last three years. It It could be a new core. That's how I feel about it is if these guys hit, and of course we have to believe in them because we pick them, this is our new core. Yeah. And with, you know, Tyler Boyd and Joe Mixon and the the other picks they've hit on the last few years, uh, if your window again opens in 2020, though, most of those guys are still going to be here. And, and even if they're in the final year of their deal or so, um, yeah, I like it. I like this plan. I think this worked out fantastic. I haven't traded back that far in a mock draft yet. Uh, I'm open to the idea of it, and this was one scenario that I think worked out tremendously. It's certainly a unique mock, I believe, amongst the Bengals mocks that are out in the world. So we're happy to give you something original here on the Lockdown Bengals podcast. That'll do it for us. Joe and I will be back tomorrow to talk about the Bengals' depth at cornerback. And we're going to look at the existing roster. We're going to go position by position. So look out for that over the next couple of weeks. And we'll keep our regular features in. So don't worry about that. But tomorrow, corners. We'll see you then. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.